And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. Now after we had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. Therefore, sailing from Troas, we ran a straight course to Samothrace, and next day came to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, which is the foremost city of that part of Macedonia, a colony. And we were staying in that part of the city for some days. And on the Sabbath day, we went out of the city to the riverside where prayer was customarily made. And we sat down and spoke to the women who met there. Now a certain woman named Lydia heard us. She was a seller of purple from the city of Thyatira, who worshipped God. And the Lord opened her heart to heed the things spoken by Paul. And when she heard, and when, and when she and her household were baptized, she begged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. So she persuaded us. You may be seated. Acts 16, 9 through 15 is where we're going to be. And what I want to speak to you about is seeing God at work in our day. Seeing God at work in our day. We just read a section of scripture where we see God at work in wonderful ways. And we heard testimonies this morning. People were sharing how they have seen God at work in their own lives. And maybe someone had one that they didn't speak about. You knew, yeah, if I was, if I was bold enough or if I was had my thoughts gathered together just right, I might have shared something. But we do see God at work in our day, and that's what I want to talk about today. Our highlight verse that's in your bulletin today is Philippians 2.13. In Philippians 2.13, it's in your bulletin. It says this, It is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Now, I want to start off right off the bat by saying that as we talk about the work of God, um, it's not by works that we are saved. Hey? We're not saved by our, by our works, but we are saved unto good works. It says in Ephesians 2.10, good works don't save us, but we are saved unto good works, for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. We are saved unto good works, not saved by good works. In fact, salvation is not a work of ours at all. In John uh, chapter 6, verse 28 and 29, the some people come to Jesus and they say, what must we do to do the works that God requires? And Jesus gives a one-sentence answer. He could have said anything there, right? What must we do to do the works that God requires? What does God require of us? And Jesus says this, the work of God is this, to believe in him who he has sent. Jesus is saying, believe on me. That's, if you want to know what God requires of you, it's to believe on me. And that's not a work at all. That's that's faith, right? Faith and works are not the same. We are saved by grace through faith. It is so easy. A three-year-old can understand it, and a 93-year-old can understand it. A 103-year-old can understand it. It's not complicated. There's nothing we need to do. What needed to be done has been done by Christ Jesus himself. We simply need to trust in that finished work. But God is at work in our world today, and he's at work in our midst. I want to talk about that. We're looking at these verses that are describing the birth of a local church, the church at Philippi. 
just realized I should stop here and pray because I'm going to get going, right? <laughs> Let's ask the Lord to bless our time. Father, just come before you now, and you know all the details of this morning, what it is you want to accomplish and what it is that needs to get moved out of the way for that to happen. So, Father, I pray that you just clear the way. Clear my mind, Father, and uh, help my speech to be clear, uh, not confusing in any way. I pray that your people would be blessed. I'd be blessed as well through what's proclaimed. Help us to be active listeners, Lord. Just use this time to, to build up your church to the glory of our great Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And it's in his name I pray. Amen. Okay, we are looking at these verses that are describing the birth of a local church, and they are exciting. It's exciting to see. This, one, this church is going to start with just this one lady coming to faith in Jesus. It's good. That's the birth of this church. One lady, Lydia. And what a lady she is. But, um, you know, this church at Philippi, and, and Patrick spoke to some of that, which began in some very simple ways, but what a powerful church it became to be and what a source of encouragement and joy this church came to be to Paul. When he writes to them, he says, he's, he, in so many ways, he's telling them, my heart rejoices over you. I thank my God every time I remember you in all my prayers with joy. This is a powerful church, but it began with just one person. And this is a wonderful section of Scripture. These verses are full of clear direction from the Lord and optimism and promise of a wonderful future. But the question comes, is God still God? Is God still at work? Is God still <laughs> I don't have Josh this morning, so we're having some technicals. <laughs> um... Have God's eyes grown too weak to see, or his hands grown too tired, or his ears unable to hear? Is he too feeble to work in our world today? And the answers to that are, is yes, God is still God, and no, God is not too feeble to work in our world today. He's not too feeble. He's not tired. He doesn't grow tired. But with so many people peddling in fear these days, in so many different ways, there's this peddling of fear, this selling of fear. We're, we're supposed to be fearful of this and fearful of that. And what if this and what if that? There's this peddling of fear that's going on. Someone termed it a pandemic of fear. We may begin to think or act as if God has been dethroned. Okay? Or living as if God has forsaken us. But the truth is... Where God was working then, God is still at work today. And that's the plain and simple truth. There's never been a better time to share the gospel. There has never been a better time to share the gospel. I was reminded of that this week. There has never been a t better time to belong to Jesus Christ. There's never been a better time to be a Christian. Never been a better time. And there has never been a better time to belong to the church of the living God. There's never been a better time to belong to the church of the living God. Never been a better time. God is still on his throne. So I want to talk about seeing God at work in our time. Hey? There's, there's a lot of people peddling fear. It's like the constant um, chicken little story, right? 
The sky is always falling. The sky is falling. The sky is falling. The sky is falling. Seeing God at work in our time. You know, Paul's had a vision in the night, and, and that's what Patrick read for us. A vision appeared to Paul in the night, it says at the beginning of verse 9. And what began with an idea for him and Barnabas, or for him anyway, back in 1536, after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, Let us return and visit the brethren in every city in which we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. What began as that idea has become Paul's second missionary journey. It went from the conception of an idea to the strengthening of congregations to being confined to one direction by the Holy Spirit. And last week we talked about the fact that we, we were recognizing it was the Spirit that was leading them all the way. And we could recognize that. We could, we could, and they were resting in that leading of the Holy Spirit. And they responded to that leading when they went immediately to Macedonia. But that leading was God at work in them so God could work through them. And that is the story of the book of Acts. And it's the story of every believer here today. God wants to work in us so that he might be able to work through us to the glory of his name. God is working in our world. He's working in our time. But where is God at work, right? Where is God at work? I'm telling you that God is working now where he is working where he was working then. That's what I'm trying to say. God is working now in the same places that he was working then. Well, I'm going to be talking about the places in which God is working, okay? The areas in which we can recognize that's God at work. Now, God does that uh, in three ways that I want to talk about this morning. That God is at work in and through his people. God is at work in and through the human heart. I know that's a little glitchy, you guys, but let's just ignore that, okay? God is at work in and through the human heart, and God is at work in and through his church. Those three things I see in this text. God is at work in and through his people, God is at work in and through the human heart, and God is at work in and through the church. So God is at work in and through his people. Verses 9 through 12, let's look at them again. A vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing and appealing to him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. When he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. With this first thought, that God is at work in and through his people, it is that statement that I want to guide our thoughts. It guided mine. They concluded what? They concluded that God had called them. God had called them. God works in the same ways today. I've heard testimony from Judy about her and her husband, how her and her husband came to be at the mission. They had a calling from the Lord. The details of that I can't remember. I can just remember thinking, God was leading them. Hey, he called them into that ministry. God works in the same way today. They concluded that God, we concluded that God had called us. Now, who's the us there? It's Paul and Silas and Timothy, who they picked up. And Luke now is there. But what a wonderful statement for them to read and for them to have a sense of or to know that it was God's work that they were going to be involved in, to know that God had called them. And I'd have you notice just three things with regard to this calling of God. Notice that God called them into a direction to Macedonia. Eh? It was to Macedonia. 
God is working and bringing them into a place, and he's working to bring them there for a purpose, and as he brings them there for that purpose, he provides for them all the way. Those are the three things I want to talk about with regard to this. God is at work in and through his people. It says, a vision appeared to Paul. When he had seen the vision, immediately, in other words, we wasted no time, they had an eagerness to get some direction from God, and when God gave them some direction, they were out of there. But look, look at the personal pronouns here in verse 9 and 10. Paul, in the night, has this vision of a man from Macedonia, and, he would, the, and the man was appealing to him, saying, come over and help us. And it says in verse 10, when he, that is Paul, had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go, concluding that God had called us. Paul sees the vision, but they concluded God had called them. This word, they were concluding that God called us. This word means to join together, to grasp. I love this definition. It's not originally with me. I'm reading, I'm going to read to you someone else's definition of this word. We concluded, that word concluded, that God had called us. means to grasp a truth by intertwining ideas so as to get everyone on board. And they're literally going to get on board of a boat and they're going to head there. Taking these intertwining ideas that, that these men, these four men have, that, that, that we want God to lead us, and when this thing is shared by Paul with the others, we, they recognize this is, this is God's call for us. This is the direction we need to go. And this can happen today. When God is working, when God calls, this can happen today. A question came to my mind. I this way, can this happen today? When God is working, when God calls, would we pick up the phone? Would we pick up the phone? Uh, you ever get a phone call and it says, scam likely? Or you don't recognize the number and you go, well, I'm not answering that. I'm not answering that. I stopped doing that because one day my phone said scam likely and I pushed answer before I could do any, before I realized what I was doing. It was my son-in-law. <laughs> That's weird. <laughs> and if I don't recognize the number, I always answer because what if I don't have someone's, what if I've talked to someone and I've given them a number and I've forgotten that? But if God called, if God called, would we recognize the number? That's my, that's my point. And if we recognize the number, would we be in a place where we would answer the phone? Would we answer the call? Would we say, yeah, God, I see that. that that's for me. Would we do that? God, God is calling us forward, hey? I had another thought with regard to this. They concluded, they all concluded together, God has called us, hey? Sometimes I wonder if we're not too independent-minded to enjoy what, what they did, to enjoy that sense of unity and purpose, hey? But, but they sure did. They really enjoyed that. And it says now that they travel by boat. <laughs> uh, it, in verse 11, so putting out to sea from Troas, they put out to sea from, by boat. They had, to get, they had to go to a harbor or a port. They had to rent a boat, right? They're meeting people. They're interacting with people. They, they came to Troas. It's a city. It's a town. They're interacting with people. They're seeing people. There's a point to this I'll get to in a minute. 
uh, it says they sail s- straight on to Samothrace. Samothrace, <laughs> later today, if you're interested, look up images of this place. It is beautiful beyond. I'd love to go there someday. But they're not on vacation, hey? <laughs> they go there, they spend a night there, they get up the next morning, and they are out of there because God has a calling for them. God has called, and they are going to get where it is they need to go to. This sits up, I think it's more than 5,000 feet. This place is beautiful. Um, I thought about adding a bunch more pictures, but it'd be distracting. <laughs> it's a really pretty place. Um, there's people on Samothrace as well, but they don't, they see people there. They interact with people. We don't have anything with regard to their interactions. So aren't we okay? <laughs> the added emphasis. The day after, they're at ne- Neapolis. That would be a port town. And we don't have any details about that. They come into Neapolis and they're out of there. The reason I'm sharing this is this. Imagine all the people they must have passed by along the way. They are on a missionary journey to advance the gospel, right? To share the gospel. I'm picturing these guys getting on that boat and looking at the people on the shoreline wondering, maybe we should have stayed. (laughs) Maybe. And then when they get to to Samuel Thrace, well, there's people here. And when they get to Neapolis, well, there's, there's people here. But, but this vision has come, and, and, they're, and they're on a straight course. They're, they're heading where God has them. Luke seems to be expressing this determination for their destination. That's how I've termed it. They have this determination for their destination. They need to get where God has called them to. Concluding that God had called For now, it was a Macedonian call, not a Bithynian call, not a Myasian call, not a Troas call. It was a Macedonian call. Thank you. Well done, Caleb. (laughs) Um, This is Neapolis right here, (laughs) ruins of Neapolis. These are real places. I love pictures like this. These aren't made-up stories. This is a real place. You can go visit this. And this is Philippi. The ruins are beautiful. I can't imagine what the city looked like when it was fresh and new. And there's a theater here. I'm pushing the wrong button. Look at that. This is quite a place, hey? This is a leading city of, of this area of the world. A leading city. And it says uh, in verse 12, And from there to Philippi, which is a leading city of the region of Macedonia, a Roman colony, and, we're, and we were staying in this city for some days. Again, how many faces had they seen and how many people had they encountered just coming into Philippi? And Luke seems to express that they're in this wait. To me, they seem to be in this waiting period. The Lord has sent them to Macedonia, to, and they come to Philippi, this leading city where there's a lot of people. But they're not trying to knock doors down, but they're waiting for the Lord to open the doors for them. They're waiting for the Lord to open these doors. And when the Lord God calls you into his work, he directs your steps. Waiting for the Lord to lead into God's work is always a good thing to do. They're concluded that God had we concluded that God had called us. So God called him in a direction. The direction was Macedonia. The direction was to Philippi, this place here. And they were all on board. 
Again, it's Paul, Silas, Timothy, and Luke, these four men. But God called them for his purposes because he didn't just call them to a direction. He called them for a purpose, right? And his purpose was all about the gospel of Jesus Christ. His purpose was all about that. I've got to get back to where that's at, right? Verse 10, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. He didn't just call them to a place. Call them for a purpose. To extend the reach of the gospel message to this place in Eastern Europe that they've come to. I do wonder if along the way any of them began to have some doubts. Maybe when they left the shores of Troas, it wasn't the faces they were looking at, but maybe they were saying to Paul, sitting on that boat, Hey, Paul, can you tell me about that vision again? <laughs> Are you sure you heard that right, Paul? As there, maybe, maybe, maybe one of them guys has never been on a boat before. That boat gets farther and farther away from the shore. Paul, can you reassure me here? Are you sure? But they concluded, they concluded God had called them. So until God closed the door, their direction is forward. Forward into Macedonia, forward to preach the gospel. To some man from there, they don't know who it is. Now, some think it might have been Luke that came, and that's why the we picks up there. I don't know if you can say that or not, but um, they don't know who this man is. That's kind of what I think. And it's not going to be a man, the first person they're going to share the gospel with. And they're not even going to be, I don't think, the way this reads, I think Lydia is off to the side listening to them sharing with some other women. And the Lord opens her heart. They're there for some days waiting on the Lord. God is at work in and through his people for the advance of the gospel. It's Acts 1.8. The Acts 1.8 ministry, for you shall be my witnesses, says Jesus unto Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. I've goofed that verse up a little bit, but he said, you'll be my witnesses. This is the Acts 1-8 ministry extended beyond those people who first heard it. The apostles who first heard that ministry were performing that work, and now it's, it's carried on. Paul and Silas and Timothy and Luke are involved in this ministry to, to share the gospel, and we are as well. So how is God at work in the world? He directs us to places and he also calls us for his purpose, and his purpose is all about the advance of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He works in these same ways. And a third thing I'd have you notice with regard to this first point is this, where God leads, he provides. Their immediate response just paves the way forward for them. God provided the direction, the boat, the safe passage, the place to stay when they got to Samothrace and to Philippi. When it says they're staying there for some certain days, that means they're abiding there. Or literally, they're wearing through time. They're just waiting. And God is going to provide for them a divine appointment with Lydia down by the riverside. God had been working in them so God could work through them. And I think this can apply to our time and our circumstance as well. You step forward in the direction you think God is leading and you find out that God's providing there. Eh? For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. This was a morning of sharing testimonies, and I didn't share one because I wanted to save it for now. 
when Cindy and I first had an idea that maybe the Lord was leading us to Utah, and this testimony could get long, there's so many details to it. And God confirmed it in so many ways. When we first had the idea that maybe the Lord was leading us to Utah, he just opened door after door after door, and I'm a bit like a Gideon laying out the fleece. Are you sure, Lord? Are you sure? Are you sure? And God kept confirming. And the idea that was in my mind was for that very purpose, for the advance of the gospel through the strengthening of local churches and communities in this area. That's the idea that was on my mind. And he brought us to a place, and he brought us for his purposes, and he provided every step of the way in ways that are just too numerable to start mentioning. Just every step of the way. But it began with an idea that maybe God had called us, and we stepped out in faith, and he opened doors in front of us, confirming all the way along. Now, we know that false religions send out missionaries. I'm changing gears here. I'm downshifting. Truck driver. I just downshifted two full gears here, okay? I didn't even go halfway in between. (laughs) We know that false religions send out missionaries, and they talk about their work. But is God in that work? And I can say confidently, no. And it's important to point out the difference. Jesus said, Woe to you Pharisees in Matthew 23 about a lot of things. In Matthew 23, 15, he says this, Woe to you Pharisees, you travel over land and sea to win a single convert, and when he becomes one, you make him twice as much a son of hell as you are. Woe. Woe. Genuine missionary endeavors, work that God is involved with, promote the gospel of Jesus Christ because the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. And genuine missionary endeavors that God is involved with, that God is working in, preach Jesus Christ and Him crucified because He alone is the way, the truth, and the life. And genuine missionary endeavors, something to be Proclaiming and talking about produce disciples, followers of Jesus Christ that are being conformed into the image of His Son. Into the image of His Son. Not into a man's image, but into the image of the Son of God. And genuine missionary endeavors strengthen the church through the ministry of the Word of God. So those false religions that send out missionaries, they send them out. But is God in them? No. But God is in God is at work in and through his people. When he calls them in a direction, when he calls them for his purposes, and as he provides all the way along. Second point, and we're doing fairly well on time. I don't know if I'll complete this point. Might have to come back to it because there's a lot here. I got to study in this. I got way excited. <laughs> um, God at work God is at work in this text and in our world today in and through human hearts verses 13 and 14 in and through human hearts God is still at work in these same ways and on the sabbath day we went outside the gate to a riverside where we were supposing that there would be a place of prayer and we sat down and began speaking to the women who had assembled a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira a seller of purple fabrics A worshiper of God was listening, and the Lord opened her heart to respond to the things spoken by Paul. Now, the 
words here that are guiding my thoughts, that guided my thoughts, that are going to help guide us along here, are those words, the Lord opened her heart. In the last portion, when we were talking about God at work in the lives of, in and through the lives of his people, what was guiding us was we concluded that God had called us. Here it is, the Lord opened her heart. In these two verses, the work we see God doing is a heart work. God is performing, if you will, an open heart surgery on Lydia. And he's doing a heart work in the men that he sent there, I believe, as well. He's working in the hearts of Paul and his companions. Their best ability on this day was their availability. Hey? There's not a large enough group of Jewish men in Philippi, this big city, there's not enough Jewish men that can gather together to have a synagogue. It would take ten. So there appears to be some Jewish women down by the riverside and this one who is a worshiper of God, a God-fearer, Lydia. I think standing off to the side. You know, there's no building. With all these buildings and all this fancy edifice, until the church at Philippi was founded, there was no building that was dedicated to the worship of God. We've got a wonderful building here. And, and we dedicate this to the worship of God. We come together and we worship God together in this place. But there was no building there. But to do his work, God doesn't need a building, and we know that, right? God doesn't need a building. God doesn't need a pulpit or a platform. He, he doesn't need any of that. God has a place outside the gate of the city, down by the river, away from the crowds, a place that can be dedicated to the worship of God. I don't know why this is so emotional, but it is all of a sudden. That place is the human heart. The human heart. That's the place that can be dedicated to the worship of God. doesn't matter where you're at. God is doing work in Paul and in his companions and in Lydia to bring them to this place where they're worshiping God together. There's no formalities needed in the sharing of the gospel. Look what it says in verse 13. And on the Sabbath day we went outside the gate to a riverside where we were supposing that there would be a place of prayer and we sat down and began speaking. There's no formality here. Those images from that missions moment, Soren, they strike me so hard this morning because of trips to Africa. I can smell Africa when I see stuff like that. I can taste the food that I've eaten there when I see stuff like that. It puts me there instantly something that really stood out to me with regard to that one. She said, God made a way. And then she said it again. God made a way. Think of all the obstacles that God removed for this one woman, Lydia, to hear the gospel. God made a way. You know, the Lord says, if you seek me, you will find me. If you seek me with your whole heart, I don't think you need to get too theologically rigid with regard to that. God knows the heart, and we don't. He, he knows it completely. And I think Lydia was seeking the Lord with her whole heart, so God was able to open her heart to respond to the gospel. 
No formalities needed. I'm thinking of a, a, a time there in Africa where someone had to give a testimony, and this it was a, a woman that I don't want to know, and Cindy and I know. And um, she was feeling so sick, and she said, can I just sit down here? And she sat down. And what she shared was her heart, her love for Jesus. And I don't know how many people we saw come to faith that day, but it was a lot. And I've been able to visit those people again. And I know that it was real, hey. It wasn't just moving forward because there were visitors. She shared her heart. God at work in and through human hearts. It's a powerful thing. It's a powerful thing. God doesn't need for us to know in advance what he's about to do. Paul and Silas and Timothy and Luke do not know in advance what God is about to do. They've got no idea what's coming. Lydia doesn't know. When she comes there that day by the riverside, she probably thinks she's going to come and hear some prayers or maybe be involved with that. She doesn't have any idea that the gospel is going to be preached and she's going to be saved. She has no idea. But that's what's going to happen. And God works in those ways even today. He surprises us, hey? He works in those ways. He works in our hearts. It's not a mental ascent to a bunch of knowledge. He works on our hearts. God is going to start something here this day that it just is phenomenal. Philippians chapter 1, verse 3 through 6. Paul writes this to these believers. This church, that, that this, the seed form of this church that's going to sprout through this person, one person, Lydia, and her household, and a Philippian jailer as well. We'll look at that in a couple of weeks is going to become a church. And he writes to them, Philippians 1, 6, he says, For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work and you will perfect it. He is confident that God began a work. He saw it. He saw Lydia come to faith in Jesus Christ. Have you seen that? Have you seen someone come to faith in Jesus? What a joy that is, eh? I am confident that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. For it is only right for me to feel this way about you all, because I have you in my heart, since both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you are all partakers of the grace with me. I was supposed to read 4 through 6. Always offering prayer with joy and in my every prayer for you all. I think that is y'all, hey? Eh? always offering prayer with joy in my every prayer for you all in view of your participation in the gospel for the first day until now. For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. But God did a work in her heart. But what is the heart? That's what I, this is what I got running on. I thought there's not enough time to finish this message, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be quick here and wrap this up. Maybe we'll revisit this a little bit more next week. What is the heart, biblically speaking? We're not talking about... 
I had to go get a DOT physical yesterday, and I've never had a problem not passing that, what do you call that, blood pressure thing, but for some reason I was amped up yesterday, and I couldn't calm down. I could tell you the reasons, but I won't. <laughs> and um, it took three times for me to finally pass that. I've never had that. But the, the heart here isn't talking about this, right? It's talking about something else. Almost a thousand times in, the, in, the, in, in Scripture, in the Bible you have in your hand, there's almost a thousand times the heart is mentioned. Well, that's a lot of verses we could look at. We don't have time for that. But as you begin to look at those verses, what you come to realize is this idea of the heart is your inner self. The heart is that spiritual part of us, the affective center of our being, someone writes. It's where our emotions and desires dwell. If that's true, that's what God opened in Lydia. Right where her emotions and desires dwell, he opened that. Her desire was for a relationship with God. Paul comes and preaches the gospel, and God opens this up so she can respond to what she hears. Praise God he works in that way through his word, hey? Through the preaching of the cross. Here's this woman, Lydia. She's an industrious woman, a worshiper of God. She's a good listener, and God opens her heart. In Acts 124, it says, The Lord knows the hearts of all men. In Acts 15, 8, it says, And God, who knows the heart, testified to the fact that they had come to faith. In 1 Thessalonians 2, 4, it says that God examines the heart. Do you ever find God examining your heart? It's a good thing. It's a good thing. We're going to spend a little time looking at that next week. But, but God is at work in the same way today as he was then. God is at work in and through human hearts. He's at work in and through his people for the advance of the gospel. And he's in and, God is at work in and through the church. Look at verse 15. Look what happens to Lydia. She, she trusts the Lord, and right away look what happens. And when she and her household had been baptized, she urged us, saying, and here's the portion of this I'd like you to focus on, if you have judged me to be faithful, if you had judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and stay, and she prevailed upon us. If you have judged me faithful, in other words, if you recognize that I have truly trusted Christ, if you recognize me as a sister in Christ, I want to serve you. Instantly, Spiritual gifting, hospitality. Instantly, God is at work today in and through his church. In and through his church, God is, if you're a believer here today, God has gifted you in a specific way to build up a body of believers. Wherever you happen to be, wherever you happen to be right now attending, God has gifted you to build up that body. And you need to exercise that gift. Not to do so. Not to do so is to deny God's call. Is to say, is to say well, that's a scam likely. It isn't a scam. It isn't a scam likely. It's not the wrong number. Pick up the phone. It's God calling. There's a work for you to do. Right away, Lydia gets saved, and she wants to know, what can I do to serve 
my Lord. What can I do? We've got to close here. This verse... I don't know what verse that is, Soren. A sweet wine verse doesn't fit the occasion. <laughs> Let me try to back up. It's all the same. <laughs> Philippians 2.13, It is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Has that verse been up here this whole time? <laughs> well, that's a laugh, isn't it? It's something. <laughs> Acts 2.13. That's Acts 2.13. It's supposed to be Philippians. I sent you Acts. Hey, that's on me. <laughs> yeah, God wants us to give him our hearts. Yep. That's the true place of worship. doesn't matter where we're at doesn't matter if we're at work on Monday morning or in this place this morning. doesn't matter where we're meeting in a prayer meeting Wednesday night, spending time with our family. It makes no difference. He wants us to give up. He wants us to give him our hearts. Thank you, Maria. Let's close with prayer with that. Hey? Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that you do want us to give you our hearts. Thank you that you open our hearts to understand your truth, Lord. Father, thank you um, for this time. Father, thank you that you still are at work today. You are a living God. Your work in and through your people. You are at work in and through human hearts. And you are, in, you are at work in and through your church. Father, I pray you bless this message to our hearts this week. In Jesus' name I pray for his glory. Amen.